Hi, everybody. Welcome to the September 13th, 2019 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get started with a quick take on former U.S. Attorney John Walsh and Dan Baer both dropping out of the Democratic primary for U.S. Senate. That happened uh, both two different days this week. Patty Calhoun from Westward. Uh, now, the dominoes are beginning to fall. We've already heard from Mike Johnston. These are two more names. Andrew Romanoff is one of the bigger names, I guess, along with, with other state legislators like Angela Williams. But are we beginning to see all the dominoes fall in letting Hickenlooper be the only Democrat standing in the primary? I do not think every domino is going to fall. I, Angela Williams, I'll be really surprised, and she was the one who said this is not a coronation. Not only did Dan Baer and John Walsh both drop out, but they also both endorsed Tickenlooper, which shows that there is some still kumbaya going on in the Democratic Party, or at least the National Democratic Party knows how to sweeten the pot a little bit. <laughs> Indeed. Krista Kafer, columnist of the Denver Post. It's great to have you back. Uh, Krista, usually Republicans are the, the ones that will go all the way through a primary and let it be bloody and, and who cares what happens, and usually to their uh, uh, detriment. Do you think Hickenlooper will be able to avoid a bloody primary with some of these larger names coming out of the race? Let's hope not. I, I hope that he has the <laughs> bloodiest of primaries. And here's why. You know, Andrew Romanoff has, has been pushed aside before. He's lost some elections. I think he's ready to win and he's ready to fight. So I think at least he and others are going to stick in. And as long as they're staying in the race, um, there is a good chance that Cory Gardner will emerge victorious come November 2020. Eric Simon, political analyst. There wasn't one of these uh, magical uh, Ken Salazar moments. What I mean by that was uh, when there was the open Senate race, I think it was after Campbell, uh, Udall was in for about two days, and Ken Salazar announced, then everybody was out, and Ken Salazar went on to become U.S. Senator Ken Salazar. But this feels like a protracted Ken Salazar moment where it's not going to happen over a weekend, but maybe over a couple months. People are realizing, I can't fundraise as well. The polls don't look good. I'd rather not get into something crazy. Do you think that's happening, or are, have we seen the people who are going to drop out and everyone else is in for a fight? No, no, we'll see more we'll, we'll see more dropouts. But the other Ken Salazar we've had in history was, quite frankly, Cory Gardner six years ago. Remember, when Cory got into that race, the, the, that field cleared out very, very quickly. Uh, Patty is correct. This will not be a total clear out. This, there will be a vigorous primary here. As I said a week ago, I believe, I think this field will sort. There'll be some other candidates around the fringes, but I think it will sort to John Hickenlooper and Andrew Romanoff, and we'll see a replay of 2010, which was Michael Bennett and Andrew Romanoff, except with Hickenlooper this time playing the Bennett role of the more centrist candidate, the virtual incumbent, if not the a real incumbent in this case. I think it will have, there'll be plenty of storm and fury in the campaign, but it will have the same outcome, but probably by a bigger margin. I, I think Hickenlooper will be a dominant force uh, uh, versus Romanoff. And just lastly, credit to both Dan Baer and to John Walsh and to Mike Johnston a week ago. Uh, these are all credible people. They are all talented people. There's a part of me that regrets that Hickenlooper is sort of bigfooting it in here. Politics is not being bags, and it's not for the sentimental. I'm a realist, but uh, the state's being deprived of what could have been a really interesting, vigorous, next-generation kind of choice. It's not being a next-generation deal. 
and a new face of the CIO table. Great to, great to have you. Wendy Howell, Deputy Director of the Colorado Working Families Party. Uh, Wendy, there is a conversation between uh, some of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. We also have um, uh, John Hickelooper being called a moderate, and then some people have said he's not so moderate, but at least in this race he is. Do you think we're seeing a setup of a moderate versus progressive wings of the party and Democratic Party fight coming in 2020? Oh, I think there's uh, more wings than just those two <laughs> in play here. Uh, honestly, uh, I think the main thing that a lot of folks are responding to within the Democratic Party is the DSCC's interference when the Colorado Democratic Party actually has uh, a policy and practice of remaining neutral in primaries and letting you know Democrats and now unaffiliateds decide for themselves. Um, and what we see is a lot of pushback against that interference and a lot of resentment for it. Um, I think that the Post reported on that with some of the leaked emails from the Democratic Party chairs. I think, you know, we see that in resolutions that have been passing county Democratic parties and are going to go up to the state central committee, um, most notably just uh, this past weekend in Denver, which that resolution condemning the DSCC passed, I think, by uh, all but one no vote. Hmm. <laughs> so. No. Uh, clearly, uh, you're right. There's uh, more, more contention ahead. That's a good point. Yeah. Denver Sheriff Patrick Furman has announced that he will resign on October 14th. Furman has been under fire recently for an incident in the Denver jail where an incarcerated woman was forced to give birth alone in a cell. He has also faced a lawsuit by women deputies by, for allowing an environment of sexual harassment and threats by male inmates. Uh, Patty, there's a stack of scandals here that Furman is clearly facing, but... Um, the whole idea of, uh, it's the David Copel question, should the Denver sheriff be elected? It's getting a lot more play. Uh, uh, it's, it's not just David Copel anymore. Is this going to bring up that conversation again, or is this simply a Mayor Hancock issue? Well, I would think probably Mayor Hancock might be the happiest to have someone do that so he doesn't have to live with this for the next four years. Let's remember when Patrick Berman came in, it was almost exactly four years ago, into a scandal-ridden sheriff's department Four years into um, Hancock's term, so Hancock had had some time, many of the same kinds of complaints, including some deaths, some bad handling, some misbehavior. But really, the straw that breaks the camel's back in this case has to be the fact that women who worked there, it wasn't just they were treating inmates wrong, but also their own workers and hostile environment. So it's not a surprise that Patrick Furman is going. I think probably maybe the Independence Institute will put forward that um, a motion to have an elected sheriff. Not a good start, really, for Hancock's first couple months when you think we've got the DIA delay. I-70 isn't his fault, but we've got that delay, and now yet another sheriff gone. It uh, begs the question, did Hancock really want a third term, or this is the way it's going to, <laughs> going to be starting? Uh, Krista, what do you think, where do you think Hancock needs to go from here? Does he need to think really outside the box? He has an interim uh, sheriff right now. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, the, Frank but, uh, Gomez. Frank Gomez, thank you. Uh, so uh, I don't, I'm not just saying that a woman solves the problem, but at the very least, we're going to get something, some of the things addressed. Um, what do you think is the best next step? Well, it helps. I think putting a woman into that interim position and then even considering advancing her to full sheriff 
at the right time. And, and to be honest, Sheriff Furman did do some good things. He came in at a difficult time. He did put in some training. He did do some work. But I think it's left to the next person to be able to take those to the next level. Because over the last four years, although not as bad as when he came in, we do have the scandals most recently, the, the woman that had the baby. You had a man that was, was killed. You also have an illegal immigrant that was released who had killed somebody in hit and run before he could be apprehended by the feds. So I, there, there are things that need to change. Fran Gomez just might be the person to do that. Eric, what do you think is uh, Hancock's best play here? Uh, he has to take control of it, but we are hearing from more people than just David Culp anymore that the Denver sheriff should be elected. Uh, how does he handle this? Uh, we'll see how he handles it. I mean, we've seen one shoe, but the, the, the more important shoe is uh, who gets appointed to this position. My gut tells me this is more complicated uh, probably than perhaps meets the eye. Uh, Krista is right. I think uh, Patrick Furman was hired as a sort of a reformer and has been a reformer. Uh, I don't know. Reformers aren't always that popular. Uh, I don't know that he ever won over the support of the rank and file in the sheriff's department. I think that constant... Uh, opposition or drain has drained him and I think now he has also lost support not only of the rank and file but within City Hall. Uh, the settlements we're talking about, the lawsuits we're talking about are obviously serious cases and the taxpayers of Denver are putting out uh, serious money. Uh, Hancock, yes, is a lame duck. He's not really a lame duck yet. He'll become more of a lame duck perhaps two years into this final four-year term. Uh, but he doesn't have to face the voters again, at least in this capacity. So it, in some ways it's liberating. He can do what he wants. If he wants another reformer, he can do that. Uh, my suspicion is more he'll want somebody to, to just quiet the fervor, uh, make nice with the rank-and-file officers, the rank-and-file sheriffs, uh, and just make this thing go off the front page. I'm not sure it's heading off the front page. Wendy, this seems like an opportunity to have a dialogue with the community about this. I don't know if that will happen. What do you think? I mean, I think it absolutely should. Um, it's been interesting to see some of the reactions, you know, around the electing the sheriff. Uh, you know, we saw Councilmember C. DeBaca, you know, call for uh, the Denver sheriff to be elected. We also saw one of her best friends in the world, Elizabeth Epps, and a criminal justice reformer say, well, I think that those elections might be, you know, it might be a problem since we see how much corporate money and other outside inside you know uh, outside influences uh, participate in our elections so i think um you know elizabeth had an interesting suggestion which was uh that we really need uh, a process in which the city council the independent monitor and the community are really engaged in this sheriff selection process and i think that is probably the right way forward, that we figure out a way to get more voices at the table in that sheriff's election process. Presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders held a rally in Denver Civic Center Park on Monday with over 10,000 supporters in attendance. Sanders won Colorado in 2016 through the former caucus system. Colorado's presidential primary election is on Tuesday, Super Tuesday, March 3, 2020. Uh, Chris, uh, 2016, Colorado felt the burn. It was his state. Uh, does the energy for him still exist here? No, I don't know. <clears throat> I can't watch him without thinking of the anteater on Pink Panther. I mean, <laughs> seriously, the boys, right? 
His ideas are old, he's old, and he's also got a competitor in the party, and that is Elizabeth Warren. She's taken a, a big bite out of his platform. She loves socialized medicine, raising taxes, and all of that. Fact is, is that that may capture the imagination of the lunatic fringe in this state, but I can't see the whole nation going for that kind of nutty policy. The fact that you brought up the anteater character <laughs> from a Pink, a Pink Panther cartoon is just... Thank you so much, Chris. This that, that is fantastic. As, a, as an animation fan, that just warms the cockles <laughs> on my heart. Uh, Eric, um, Bernie Sanders is a was a phenomenon in uh, 2016. Is not going away in 2019 and 20. What does he do to the politics in Colorado with the energy and fervor that he may be able to generate? Well, there's so many differences between 2016 and, and what's coming up in 2020. Let me just uh, tick off a few. The, the, mo the most important one, it's not a difference, but the factor is by the time March 3rd rolls around, we will have been through Iowa, we'll have been through New Hampshire, we'll have been through South Carolina. The field will not look like the field looks now. Someone, a couple candidates will have momentum. A lot of candidates will have gone bye-bye. You don't know exactly what the field looks like. As we saw again last night in the ABC debate, Warren and Sanders seem to have this non-aggression pact, that they don't fire at each other. That can't last. Ultimately, they are competing for the same voter or the same chunk of voters. That pact can't last. And ultimately, I believe that Warren will win the battle for that hard left-wing lane. So we'll see what shape Bernie is when Colorado comes around on March 3rd of next year. But in 2016, he had the left lane to himself. It was a two-candidate race. It was, he, it was Hillary and not Hillary. He occupied the not Hillary role. He occupied the left lane by himself. And it was a caucus, not a primary. All of that is different here. Uh, past, you know, what's the old line? Past performance is not an indicator of future results. Anyone who relies very much on the 2016 caucus to predict 2020 is making a big mistake. Winnie, from what you can see, does that is that Bernie energy committed to Bernie, or are they uh, susceptible to other candidates who, frankly, have a, a similar message that uh, uh, Bernie had to himself in 2016? I think most of Bernie's coalition is still with him, um, to be perfectly honest. And I think we see that in the Emerson poll that came out uh, that showed him leading the pack in Colorado. Uh, so it's, you know, with all due respect to my colleagues at this table, this is not a fringe, <laughs> lunatic bunch of people. It is a large chunk of Colorado voters. And so so uh, I think it we you know it would be hard to underestimate uh, you know the strength of his organizing efforts. Um, you know we saw that in ten thousand people showing up at this rally. I don't think any other presidential candidate in recent memory has drawn that in Colorado, uh, and I don't think that you know. Uh, it, and I think we see it, frankly, in those polls uh, that are coming out mm -hmm. uh, because this race and the thing that people continually underestimate about him and underestimated about Trump, frankly, is that. Elections are not won on TV these days. They are won in uh, kitchen table conversations. That's a good point. Uh, Patty, do you think this will trigger more visits from more presidential candidates, or was it just because Bernie knows he has pretty uh, friendly ground here in Colorado? Well, as we go further along and some candidates start dropping out, I do think we'll see people. I'm, Elizabeth Warren's momentum is pretty strong right now. If you just get anecdotal evidence from 
Facebook, uh, people who are commenting in Colorado, I think she would draw a crowd that is pretty close to what Bernie drew if she came to Colorado soon. She hasn't had the same ground game or the head start that Bernie had here. But I think she's definitely going to give him a run for his money. Will we still have Bennett, you know, a hometown candidate come March? That's a hard one to tell because he could take some of the votes away just because of the local hero angle. The Secretary of State announced this week that the group leading recall efforts against State Senators Pete Lee and Brittany Pedersen have decided not to turn, its peti- turn in its petitions. There now have been four failed recall attempts by re- Republican groups this year. The only attempt remaining is against Senate President Leroy Garcia of Pueblo. Eric, I have a hard time even calling these recall efforts anymore because they seem just like data uh, mining or uh, collection events so that there's a greater list of names and addresses for GOP groups. Um, and nothing from even what they've reported would make me think any different. Um, but I could be being short-sighted. Is there some other effects of these recall efforts I'm missing? Yeah, there's another effect. It makes the Republican Party, which is already in shambles in this state, look even worse. Uh, These things have been misguided from the get-go. A week ago, we talked about the failed Polis recall. They claimed to have 300,000 signatures. On social media, I said they probably have 35,000, if that. Uh, and I, had, I presented as much evidence for my 35,000 guests as they presented for their 300,000. They presented no evidence whatsoever. Uh, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to make serious claims. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to understand this is a serious process. Recall is an important right to be used very, very sparingly. And this, I'm not, I don't want to accuse all Republicans of this. This was a narrow faction of Republicans, unorganized, unsponsored by the party, unfunded. I don't know what their motives were. I think you're probably pretty close to it, Dominic. I think part of it was just expressing frustration, outrage. But when I look at Colorado Republicans, I keep thinking it's almost like, uh, I don't want to get carried away with the addiction metaphor, but (laughs) what do they say about an addict? You have to hit bottom before you can course correct. And if 2018 wasn't bottom for the Colorado Republican Party, I don't know what is, but apparently it wasn't bottom because they keep fumbling uh, and stumbling, and this was another one. Wendy, uh, even some in the GOP have said this has done more for the Democratic candidates that were targeted than it ever would have done for any sort of GOP energy. Uh, What do you think of that claim? I think that's absolutely true, and I think that's why we see Republican legislators now calling for recall reform. (laughs) And, you know... I think uh, they recognize that, you know, far from a few years ago with, uh, with some of the successful recalls that happened, this has just been a disaster. And, uh, you know, it has generated nothing but bad will and, you know, additional division within the Republican Party, um, which, from my perspective, God bless them, keep doing as many recalls <laughs> as you want to do. But uh, I don't foresee any of them actually being successful or generating uh, anything useful. Patty, will we only see the recall stop as long as the GOP doesn't need new names and addresses? No, because the problem is people will still just decide they're not happy and they'll start a recall effort that just will go nowhere unless maybe some of the proposals that are coming out from Jack Tate are adopted and it becomes a little harder to do it. But it just is a knee-jerk response. I do think they did manage to mine some good data doing it, but I don't even think that was the motivation. I just think it was we're having a really bad 
not day, bad decade, because they're definitely hitting bottom here. Krista, you wrote a uh, fantastic piece of the Denver Post just today, as time would have it. What a coincidence. Uh, what do we need to know we haven't talked about? You know, I just think I, and we're not going to recall the recall entirely, but I think we need to make some changes to it. It really needs to be a, a uh, sort of emergency out for politicians that are convicted of malfeasance, that are, that are doing bad things, and not simply because you don't like somebody's voting. I think right now it's a cynical power play to overturn elections, to call an election midterm. I say, you know what, there were plenty of bad votes this last session, extreme votes. Even polling is saying that some, you know, more than uh, that a majority, a small majority, thinks that the Democrats overreached this last session. So there's plenty of fodder for the next election. Let's save elections for elections. Let's make some changes to the recall. And I, I think that Jack Tate and Tom Sullivan in the legislature are going to put forth some really good proposals next session. Let's make it happen. Let's get a quick take on this last one. Recent groundwater tests across Colorado's Front Range have shown high levels of toxins called perfluorinated compounds, or PFCs, thank goodness for the PFCs, are linked to several serious health issues. Not thank goodness for PFCs, just the shortened name, you know what I mean. Hotspots were found around Buckley Air Force Base, Sand Creek, and the Suncor Oil Refinery. In one test, the readings were almost 3,000 times the federal advisory amount. Um, while difficult to say, Wendy, this seems like a very, uh, e even more difficult problem to solve because it's all over town. It's not just one spot. Mm -hmm. What's the right response when we see a report like this? I mean, I think concern, <laughs> certainly. Uh, you know, uh, what's the interesting thing about these compounds is that uh, they actually are not very well regulated. Um, you know, even the EPA, there's a discussion about whether, like, the, the, the limits that they've put out for exposure are actually low enough. And so, uh, you know, it's really interesting to, to see that debate going on as we're actually dealing with exposure to agents that, you know, cause cancer, that cause birth defects, that, you know, affect child development. Like, these are, uh, you know, these are things that we need to take seriously. I will say I'm encouraged to see the response down in the springs, particularly, um, in which, you know, there's definitely... Uh, there's definitely been a lot of responsiveness to community concerns down there, and I, I would hope that that would be echoed in other contaminated areas. Patty, uh, are drinking fountains in Denver are becoming less popular now? Well, it's the problem, single-use plastic or perhaps death from the drinking fountain. You've got to decide which is your bigger problem. The water table is the issue. I mean, the problem is not this stuff flows. So we're finding it um, with these chemicals. The most important thing to remember is that we have to pay attention to science. We have to get, take science seriously. We don't need Trump pulling back on water laws. We don't need Trump changing NOAA, you know, the, the hurricane forecast, NOAA based up in Boulder. We have to take science seriously. We've got more problems out at Rocky Flats. We need study, and we need to pay attention. Uh, Krista, where does the response start with something like this, especially when you see it in so many different areas? This is just one Air Force base, okay, but it's all over town. Well, you think about it for decades. Uh, we've manufactured chemicals that have improved our lives in a, in a variety of ways, but those same chemicals, though, they've got costs, and the cost, of course, is long-term environmental damage, possible health concerns. I say identify the problem, study it scientifically, set up some standards, go in, clean it up. It can be done local, state, federal, maybe even some private money, get in there and get it done. Eric, who needs to own this problem? 
Well, there's not one source. Uh, I mean, you can look at city, you can look at state, you can look at feds. I don't have an easy answer to that, Dominic. Let me just simply comment add on what's been said. There's an irony of this coming out this week, the same week where the Trump administration has announced a substantial rollback of federal water quality regulations, water pollution regulations. Now, there are pieces of the Trump deregulation agenda which I think have benefited this country, have spurred economic growth, et cetera. I'm not opposed to deregulation per se, but I'm not sure water pollution is one where you really want to dial it back, where you really want to give it over to all 50 states. Uh, at the same time, we're talking about climate change and other very serious issues. If you want to make a direct impact in people's lives, particularly in other developing countries, water quality is the number one way to go. We don't have those problems of developing countries, but let's not, uh, let's not be short-sighted here and, um, and lose what we've gained over all these years. Time for a very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Cajon, please start us off. Let's return to Denver law enforcement, specifically the Denver Police Department. When they stopped Susan Green, a sometime occupant at this table, and told her to act like a lady when, in fact, she was acting like a journalist. DPD just came through with a settlement that not just says they were wrong and how they treated her, but is going to do more training. Krista. You know, I'm going to give it to Mother Nature because I just read that the snow report or the snow prediction is not going to be as good as last year. I finally healed up from bilateral surgery. Eric's healing up. We wanted to go skiing, and the snow is not going to be nearly as good. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, thanks for looking out for me, Krista. How about the Castro brothers of San Antonio? Uh, Julian Castro last night in the debate did not do himself any favors. You can go after Joe Biden, but the way he went after Joe Biden was nothing but a cheap shot and is probably disqualifying. His brother, twin brother Joaquin Castro, also prominent, has been, I guess the phrase is doxing um, contributors to Trump and, and, and revealing them in the San Antonio media and encouraging retribution against anyone who is exercising their First Amendment rights uh, to contribute to someone he disagrees with. Shame on both of them. Wendy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to the management of Kaiser Permanente, who seems to be hellbent on uh, on provoking 40,000 health, actually, excuse me, 80,000 healthcare workers across the country, and about 4,000 here in Colorado, out on picket lines, uh, and has been charged with the federal government for not bargaining in good faith. Time to say something nice about somebody, Patty. Colorado's newest state park, Fisher Peak, down outside Trinidad. It's really a wonderful acquisition. Krista. I'm going to give it to DU and the Department of Corrections. They're doing a production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. They're taking it on the road. This is something that's so empowering to prisoners, learning acting skills, incorporating arts into our prison system. Department of Corrections has long, you know, for a long time had great work programs. Now they're doing stuff with the arts, and DU is involved. It's awesome. Cool. Eric. Patty mentioned it a minute ago. I'll give it to Susan Green, our friend, our sometimes co-panelist at this table, uh, demonstrating that a lady, and she's very much a lady, but a lady can uh, make change in this society. You're here. Wendy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jackie Perkins of the Education Association, uh, solely because when the South Park teachers announced that they were going on strike, she created the memes that are everything to go along (laughs) with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's all about the memes. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. I want to take a quick moment to let you know about a group that we are partnering with this year. Classes at the Academy for Lifelong Learning begin next week. The Academy offers courses during the day for adults just, just for the love of learning. With over 40 liberal arts and current event courses to choose from, you can now learn about the subjects that you slept through in college. Uh, for more information, go to academyll.org. For everyone here at CPT12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. Mm-hmm.